This information is subject to a disclaimer at the end of this podcast. Please ensure that you listen to the disclaimer and go to www.ubs.com for further information about UBS. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to UBS's Global Research Pod Hub, a channel that shares insights from economists, strategists, and equity analysts on the pivotal questions and events shaping today's markets. My name is Kelsey Persley, UBS's TMT Sector Specialist, and I am here with Lloyd Walmsley, UBS's U.S. Internet Analyst. In this episode, we are going to be taking a look at generative AI and ChatGPT. So Lloyd, ChatGPT seems to have brought generative AI to the forefront of everyone's minds. Why are we now at an inflection point in generative AI? Thanks, Kelsey. So look, I think if we back up from before ChatGPT, some of the key advancements have been uh, in AI, particularly deep learning and neural network architectures. And that's enabled the development of more sophisticated generative AI models that can produce very high quality content. In addition, we've seen the availability of large amounts of training data that's allowed generative AI models to be trained on a diverse range of tasks leading to more accurate and flexible models. Finally, there's a growing demand for AI solutions across a range of industries, such as entertainment, advertising, marketing, product design, and we've seen generative AI being applied to these new and innovative use cases, such as creating personalized content and automating repetitive tasks. So if we take this overall, It's created an environment where chatbots and generative AI are becoming increasingly sophisticated and versatile, enabling them to perform this growing range of tasks and create new opportunities for businesses and consumers. And what ChatGPT really did was bring this tech from the academic labs world to the masses, and consumers could actually interact with this in a way that just hasn't been done before. So what would you say are some of the different use cases for generative AI in today's world? Yeah, so we've seen a lot of interesting use cases the more we dig into this topic. And the most compelling example is a product called Copilot, which is a tool that software developers can use to write code at significantly greater speed using generative AI as a code suggestion tool that you know, effectively automates a lot of the more mundane sides of writing code. Other use cases in advertising and marketing, uh, we've seen employees use this to generate ad creative, to generate text creative, uh, product recommendations for marketing materials. We've seen chatbots for customer service come out of this. Uh, And then even in the arts, writing, music, visual art, we've seen content creation applications. And then on the product development design side, you can create new products or services. You know, a company might use generative AI model to design new products, such as fashion items or consumer electronics, customized for certain markets. And lastly, you know, generative AI models can be used to generate synthetic data, which can be used to train other AI models, test systems, and run simulations. So those are some of the things we've seen out there. But I think what's what's fascinating is there's a lot getting built right now. The venture community is funding a lot of innovation here that we think we'll see over the next few years uh, coming out of the valley. So it sounds like the generative AI cases will have applications across a vast number of industries, but also that these models take a significant amount of time and resources to train and develop. 
How is this technology being made accessible to startups and companies that really want to build these applications? Yeah, that's the neat thing here is we are starting to see uh, companies that build generative AI models license the models to businesses or developers through API. So for example, uh, there are open source libraries and tools for building generative AI models such as TensorFlow, PyTorch, and GPT-3, which make it easier for startups and companies to develop these applications with less need for specialization. There are API-based service providers, you know, pre-trained generative AI models that can be integrated into other applications and services. This allows for companies to, to deploy this technology without developing their own model from scratch. And that makes it easier you know, to have generative AI capabilities embedded into products. So those are, those are some of the things that, are, that we're seeing to bring this technology to kind of the application layer. Now, who are the other beneficiaries of this generative AI wave? Yeah, so there's, there's a couple big ones. I mean, the first category would be app uh, developers that build on top of this and generate, uh, generate uh, products that, that consumers can, can buy or subscribe to. Uh, it's a nascent field, but uh, you're clearly seeing some people in the search space uh, try to adopt this. And the second would just be uh, cloud hyperscalers. So this is driving a massive expansion in compute required to run these models. And the cloud computing providers provide a range of services and tools for building and deploying these generative AI models. And they make it easier for startups to scale their you know, generative AI solutions. And then lastly, uh, semiconductors, you know, whether this is powered by a company's own data center or in the cloud, this should drive a lot of demand for GPUs and CPU chips, given the uh, compute intensity nature of generative AI. Awesome. Now, I think a question that everyone would like to know is really, how is generative AI technology currently being monetized today? And then how could it be monetized in the future? Yeah, there's there's a couple different ways we think about this structurally. So uh, I think at the core, you have the underlying APIs, which can license out their use. Right now, there's dozens of these models, it's pretty fragmented. It's not clear how much value will be generated there. But then, of course, there's the apps that will run on top of those models where a direct consumer relationship uh, should allow them to you know, have a sustainable competitive advantage. And then last, which we kind of alluded to, is, is the infrastructure providers like the hyperscalers and, and the semiconductors. If we think about the application side, there's already three product categories that are monetizing in, in generative AI. So you have image generation, copywriting, and then code writing. Uh, for example, um, the Copilot tool that we mentioned earlier. Uh, moving forward, we, you know, we do think they'll take a number of different forms. You'll see desktop apps, mobile apps, uh, plugins for products like Photoshop, browser extensions, uh, customer service bots. And then we expect generative AI will be further integrated into product lines that already exist, like productivity or word processing apps. Those could be sold at premiums for, for products that feature generative AI. And then, you know, we also expect to see standalone companies deliver generative AI products to consumers and businesses. But as I mentioned earlier, it's still 
it's still early. There's a lot of nascent innovation going on in the space. So we, we can't wait to see what gets developed over the next few years. I bet consumers are on that wavelength as well. Now, lastly, what are some of the challenges that companies will face in terms of integrating generative AI technology into their businesses? Yeah, so there's there's a number of challenges the industry's been wrestling with. Uh, the first is just cost. I mean, the development and the deployment of these generative AI models can be extraordinarily expensive. We do expect the cost to come down over time, but uh, industry thought leaders have described the compute costs necessary to run ChatGPT, for example, as, quote, eye-watering, quote. Uh, so that, that will get resolved uh, through breaking down models into smaller models and, you know, just getting more efficient. The second one, you know, ethics and responsibility. So, you know, the use of this generative AI does raise these ethical concerns, particularly around quality, accuracy, and the safety of the generated content. Uh, next, we have regulation. So there may be regulatory hurdles to overcome when deploying generative AI models, such as data privacy, copyright, intellectual property rights. I mean, you even have Section 230 under the, uh, under the gun with the Supreme Court hearing cases uh, questioning whether this can really be a protection for these platforms if they're recommending content. And in the case of generative AI, they'll be even creating content. So there's some questions there. Um, then there's you know data data quality and availability. The quality and availability of training data can significantly impact the performance of these generative AI models. So ensuring that the data is accurate, diverse, relevant, that that can be a big challenge for companies. And then the last thing I would flag would just be generative AI models can be you know complex and difficult to develop and integrating that technology with existing systems and processes, you know, can be complex and time consuming. And, and then I guess uh, it's worth flagging, look, there is uh, some societal unease with this technology and how it may displace workers in different fields. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of good productivity that comes out of this, but there could also be some disruption. So a lot, lot to think about there uh, and have to, uh, address as, as businesses and uh, governments and as a society. Great. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you for visiting UBS's Research Pod Hub. That was an introduction and overview of generative AI and ChatGPT with me, Kelsey Persillay, UBS's TMT sector specialist, and Lloyd Walmsley, UBS's U.S. internet analyst. Tune in again for more investment insights. This content has been prepared by UBS AG, its subsidiaries and or affiliates, and is purely informational in nature. It is not investment research and does not contain an investment recommendation nor investment or professional advice. It is not an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity, and you should seek your own financial, tax, and legal advice before engaging in any such activity. UBS has no responsibility to you in relation to this content. It has no regard to your personal circumstances or investment objectives, and receiving it does not imply any form of client relationship with UBS for any legal, regular 
discriminatory or tax purpose. This content is not intended for distribution into any jurisdiction where to do so would be contrary to law or regulation. UBS does not accept any liability over the content of such material or reliance upon any information contained herein. The views and opinions expressed by any guest speaker or third party are not those of UBS. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over any such views and opinions expressed by such persons. This content is the valuable intellectual property of UBS, and UBS specifically prohibits the redistribution of it in whole or in part without its prior written permission. Copyright UBS 2023. The key symbol and UBS are among the registered and unregistered trademarks of UBS. All rights reserved.